instantly all those feelings of I'm the worst mother, you know, how can you let this happen? We're coming to me. So I got into the ocean, started heading out towards them. I'm praying the whole way. Hey, it's Paulette again, and I'm honored to bring you another episode here on the Thriving in Chaos Project, now in its fourth season. I bring you resilient survivors, key resources, and experts in their fields to lighten the load and shine a light on the path forward from confusion to conclusion through all things divorce and transformation. So let's get started. Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project. I am your host, Paulette Rigo, and today I have an author by the name of Donna Bollinger. Her book is called Break That Grip, Lessons from the Ocean of Life, Stories, Songs, and Strategies to Equip You in Overcoming Fear, and anxiety. Now, the picture on the cover of the book says it all for me. When I saw it, I immediately go, I've got to see this, read it, and interview Donna. Welcome to the podcast, Donna. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thank you very much, Paulette. I'm very excited and appreciative that you have me on. Well, you are most welcome. I love to interview interesting Uh, different, exciting people, predominantly women, although I love men too, nothing personal, gentlemen, don't get all uppity on me. But, you know, um, I do find that women mostly do the research and are very curious about understanding what makes them tick and ways and tools and skills that they can gain to make situations that are not so pleasant more pleasant with better outcomes. So that's why I just was fascinated by you and your work. So let's jump into your story, why you wrote this book and, you know, what, what made you sit down? And I know as an author, it's no uh, day at the beach, right? I mean, writing is a lot of work. How did you come to this and share, share a little bit of that background? Okay. Well, this has been the writing of the book has been pretty much a 12 year journey (laughs) because I started the very first chapter. I started and finished it about 10 years ago. Mm. And it was a result of me not knowing myself, like what you said, what makes us tick. Mm. And I didn't realize I had a very stark defining moment in the ocean and then trying to figure out how to manage the ocean, how, to, I had to learn about myself or else I was going to go under and I couldn't go under because I had four kids that I wanted to keep healthy and afloat. So what happened is um, I was going through a divorce and that just could not happen to me. (laughs) I was very proud. I didn't know it. I always thought I was humble, but we were at the beach with my family the very same summer that I was going through a divorce. I didn't understand this divorce. I tried to do everything I could. I, I was on my hands and knees begging, 
for forgiveness for something I thought was all my fault. And um, we were on the shore watching our kids out in the ocean. And then at one point we didn't, we weren't paying such good attention. We were actually just having a couple of Coronas on the beach. <laughs> and someone in our party said, are those our kids out there? And I turned and I looked and my son, my nephew and another girl were so far out in a matter of seconds that I could barely see them. So um, instantly all those feelings of I'm the worst mother, you know, how can you let this happen? We're coming to me. So I got into the ocean, started heading out towards them. I'm praying the whole way. God, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. This is the last thing I need in my life right now. Um, my oldest, it was my oldest son out there. Uh, when he was born, I didn't even know how I would handle loving someone so much. So I got out to Michael, my nephew, and, and Ben was further out because he was smaller. And he said, go get Ben. So I put my head down and went as fast as I could, grabbed Ben's arm. He just became just limp in my arms like, oh, thank God you're here, mom. And so then I went and got the other two and I knew there was a strategy for getting back to shore, but I didn't trust the strategy because I was a swimmer and I was strong and it was my ego telling me you can do this. And so I would throw them up and I would go under. Then I would throw them up as the wave came and I would go under and I could feel the, the, the water rushing to my, it felt like my brain, the burning. And I thought, this is how people die. This is how it happens. I'm seeing the headlines. And it was just the fight of my life. And luckily we made it back. My older brother was there to kind of tug us in. And um, after that, I stood on the shore. I forgot all about the strife of my divorce. And I just said, I have, this is something I need. There's a lesson I need to learn. And I set out to learn it. Mm. So. Now, how old were the children when you had the experience of divorce starting? Ben was nine. Oh, I had four kids in four years. So, I, and this was another thing. They were fertility treatments. Ben was in vitro. <laughs> so then uh, once I was able to have him, I had four kids in four years. And my goal was to be the best mother that I could possibly be. And I appreciated being a mom more than anything. And I felt like that was a gift that I had been given. And now I was failing miserably because they have to go through a broken home. And I just was beating myself up and I asked for guidance and, and the story unfolds and I got it. And the, <laughs> I could go on and on, but I'll wait for you. <laughs> to ask the questions you want to ask because yeah so they were they were they were six seven eight nine is the way you're saying at the time okay and having four kids in four years is no um day at the beach pardon the pun um (laughs) even in a perfect marriage right I mean it's a lot of stress and it's very busy and but you have mentioned the word failure many times or this Mm -hmm. feeling that you felt like a failure and I know there are hands raising and heads nodding listening to us now many people do feel that as you eloquently shared, that 
you know, this, you were really feeling like this was all your fault and that you felt like a failure because you were going through divorce and um, share with the audience why you felt that way. And how did you overcome that? I think it was a pattern of existence for my family. Um, I, my mother is an inspirational person. She got an inspirational award from Congress at the same time that Dwayne The Rock Johnson was there and Drew Brees. That's a chapter I write about in my book. But the idea and what we were taught is that you are always a contributor. Others come before yourself. Um, You've got to please people at all costs. Don't cause waves. Um, And so that was what I felt like I had to do in life. And I just was trying to please everyone, but my, well, I was pleasing myself, but I, at my own expense, and that's how I got into the, the rip current of divorce is I um, was trying to help my parents and it got me into a mess. And then I was trying to swim my way out of that. And I just was going to go down unless I learned how to help myself. Mm. You bring up a a good point, Donna, because I do find that there is quite a bit of tension in any marriage when the couple or the the parties uh, have a distraction or a diversion or some other incident. Uh, You mentioned caretaking for your parents that caused, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, and I don't like to, so you probably need to correct me, that that added a sense of tension or burden. Uh, how did that happen? And uh, what was that uh, tension like? And Yes, well, um, <clears throat> after I graduated from college, I got a good job as, in, as a sales rep, so wound dressings, and gave up my athletic career to do that. But uh, not even a year after that, I got married. I got engaged to a San Francisco 49er, my high, uh, my college sweetheart. So I just thought, um, okay, all my problems are solved. I don't have to sell wound dressings anymore. And um, we headed out to California. And um, my dad was a football player at Penn State. And my brothers were football players. And I just thought that was what I was supposed to do, marry a football player. And I and that he was a wonderful, wonderful person, but I don't think I really knew who I was mm. when we got married and I became a dependent with a capital D. And I was very, very happy to also be a stay-at-home mom. But there were certain gifts that I have that I had um, put a lid on. Like I, I liked um, acting and performing and singing but I that you know that had to go way on the back burner that's going to have to be for another lifetime (laughs) because my job was to be mom wife and um, just disciplinarian and my kids were acted up I would discipline them not for their sake but for more my sake like you have to behave because you have to be the perfect kids for the perfect family. <laughs> so I, I just had a lot of, um, I just needed to find out what am I really supposed to be doing in life? Because I began to feel um, maybe depressed 
during the day a little, although why should I be depressed? I've got four amazing kids. Mm. And I'm in the perfect marriage with the football player. Here you are in this, you know, picture perfect Instagram family, right? You've got the football star, the four perfect kids. You live in California. You probably had a palm tree. I'm being a little sarcastic, I know, but you know, the tan, you know, the whole stereotype. And all of a sudden you're feeling this sense of emptiness inside of you. Like what is wrong with me? Why am I not, you know, walking on air and a hundred percent satisfied and happy, happy, happy. And, and that, that feeling uh, started to bubble up and you noticed it. Well, this is where I told you about patterns. Um, My grandmother had always been sort of a, um, a warrior, a warrior. That's the word. (laughs) Wonderful, loving. We're such a bright, loving family, but she worried because her mother worried. And then (laughs) she worried. And then she would share her worries with my mom. And then my mother would call and share all her worries with me. So then I would feel like, oh, there's something I have to do about this. Me, self-sufficiency. I can solve this problem. Mm. So this is what happened to me in the rip current. Like I'm getting to the shore. I can do this. I'm superwoman. So this is what was happening to me in LA. I'm driving to auditions. I was, um, sitting in acting classes. I mean, some auditions you walk into and people are like, oh, look at this one. And you're like, I just drove an hour, you know? I mean, so you you really get beat down. And um, I I have to say during that time in my life, I look back, I wish I would have appreciated my kids more, the laughing in the kitchen, the smell of the pancakes. But I got determined to, to become somebody because life was telling me you got to be more. And, um, I met some famous people and, um, of course they want to say you can take shortcuts. You don't have to be taking acting classes. And I mean, I just fell hard for, I mean, I fought it. I didn't, you know, I, I just fought that my, as well, but there were some things that did not jive with my, um, my morals. And I told my husband, it didn't leave one stone unturned. And uh, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we both had stuff that we had to work on because he had lost his mother at nine years old, nine years old. So it was the same time my oldest is turning nine, the same exact time. Mm. I unearthed a pain, a huge pain in him. And, um, and I, I, I'm, I'll never ever be mad at him because I know that I was chosen to be the woman to raise our kids because uh, she died on my birthday, the day I turned 10. And I used to feel like I was, um, would be just, I used to think his mom would be disappointed in the woman he married, but then I came to realize she handpicked me. She handpicked me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, people might not agree with that, but that's the story I tell myself because it enables me to put up with things that could be um, really, you know, hurtful or I could panic about. And I just say, okay, how do you, how do you want me to handle this? You know, mm-hmm. because I'm going to, I'm going to love him through it. I'm going to love our family through it, but I had to learn how to love myself through it. Now, from what you're sharing, it sounded like he understood and was very in agreement that you should 
maybe pursue a career or find other things that made you uh, happy besides being a fully fulfilled mom. Um, So what went wrong and and, um, whose idea was the divorce? Was it his or yours or mutual? Um, It was his. And um, I can understand why, (laughs) but um, this is where I, well, we went back to Florida and I, um, you know, went through the divorce and this is where I can speak to your audience out there. Mm. When I was going through the divorce, I just remember sitting across from the lawyer at times and just so devastated. And, and I'm always prepared. I would have all my notes and my questions, but oftentimes the conversation would go away from my notes (laughs) and my plan. And I had to, this is where my SOAR strategy started to get developed because I had to stop, observe what was going on, you know, like allow this meeting to happen. You don't have to control it, Donna. Allow, admit that you don't know everything and then um, reframe and refresh. She's a happy picture and listen to what this guy has to say. Don't go in there and be like, can you believe what they wrote? Can you believe this? Can you believe that? We do, do, do. And I just, I had to surrender Mm. because I didn't want all of our money going to lawyers. So we're going to, I see them stirring the pot. That's why I put this swimmer on the cover of my book, because it's kind of like Jaws for people that remember Jaws. They saw blood in the ocean, (laughs) nothing against Mm. lawyers, but when they saw that blood in the ocean, I, I noticed that my family, our family was the one that was going to be attacked. <laughs> and uh, so that's why I appreciate what you're doing, Paulette. Uh, uh, that's why I was so attracted to your A Better Divorce blueprint because I needed something like that. I had to figure it out on my own. Mm. And, uh, but I, I definitely don't feel like it was a failure. Like my best friend from college said, oh, it's the biggest failure to go through a divorce. And that kind of hurt my heart. And again, I'm not going to get mad at her, but I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to show her, not me. It's not me. I have faith. What is God going to do through me? You know? And um, so I wound up getting alimony and child support for 12 years. And um, that didn't mean that I could go off and be a career woman with four kids in four years. I mean, some people, yes, they can do it, but not me. I'm very much um, organized and I wanted clean house. I wanted them to have clean clothes and I wanted to be their caretaker. I wanted to be with them even more now for a couple of reasons that I experienced LA and realized that's not what I want. And um, also because after going through the divorce, they need me now more than ever. And although I had them one week on, one week off, which I thought would be devastating in the beginning, it wound up to be a blessing in disguise. Number one, for them, they got to be a closer unit. They, they, um, I, my, you know, my discipline wasn't about, you got to look good for me anymore. My discipline was, I want you to be happy and healthy. Mm. And so in order, and this is where it all started. I had that week that I could either work on a career and work on myself and go get a job, get a paycheck. But the alimony and the child support, I was able to 
budget and um and I was able to read okay how can I be a better mom and I started picking up books like uh how to manage your emotions instead of letting your emotions manage you <laughs> um oh a really good one by Harriet Lerner called the dance of anger someone recommended that to me and that's when I realized you don't want to get mad at people you want to get mad at patterns and then do your best to change the pattern for future generations. So, um, so that's where um, I, so I say the first, that was the first chapter of my book, but then I, and I was putting together programs from all I was learning. I started a junior lifeguard program as a result of the rip current, because I wanted kids to learn how to manage the ocean. So I, I, I'm pretty creative when it comes to lyrics. So I, I wrote a rap for that. I put it in my book. It's called Break That Grip Rap. And then I, I turned it into a song just recently. And at the Junior Lifeguard Program, we were teaching CPR. And at that time, the, the protocol was just changing from breaths to compressions. We flip it. The compressions were first. So I realized that's a good message. And so I called it CPR starts with the heart. And I started teaching kids how important it is to pay attention to what you're feeding your heart. <laughs> because what you feed your heart is going to go to your brain, come out your mouth. And um, so you want to keep it warm. Because so I came up with an, another acronym for that was RISE. Before you respond, inhale stay warm, keep your heart warm, which is hard to do. So I give them strategies and then exhale, then say what you need to say. Because um, I'll just tell you really quick, I, I was in a recertification class and the um, instructor, she said, I got news for you. If you're doing CPR and you break a couple ribs, they're not going to mind because they're dead. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, hold on a second. I said, if you see someone and they're looking like they're dead, you'll be happy with this, wrapping what you're putting in your head. <laughs> and then stop, look, assess the situation. This was my divorce. Stop, look, assess the situation. Because the last thing you need is another complication. So when I would get a nasty letter from the opposing attorney, do I want to make it worse? <laughs> no, because that's more money in his pocket. And that's what I wanted for my kids, mm -hmm. not just money, but I want them to know how to respond. So, and then if they're if in CPR, if a victim is warm to the touch, they're going to be a lot easier to respond. I mean, to revive than if they're cold. Mm -hmm. So I, I said, and I say to everybody, you've got to keep your heart warm. And, and this is what I could tell the world today, you know, we're all opposing how do we keep it warm? We've got, you know, and, and I didn't know, I didn't know. I read how to forgive yourself, how to forgive others and nothing was helping me until I started to read books on, you got to learn to love yourself. Mm. And that's how you can stay warm and love others. And it's not selfish to love yourself. Hmm. Well, I have enjoyed listening to you and taken 
numerous notes. Um, you are quite the um, prolific uh, expresser. Um, I love your messages. Uh, so many things. I'm not sure where to go next, but I'm I'm loving this comment that you made about you've got to keep your heart warm, and I do see. In many cases, both spouses, when they're coming to me, either to consider mediating, whether I, you know, I'm acting as a role, um, one of the hats I wear is mediator. As a credentialed mediator, that is a responsibility that I take on where both parties come to me in good faith, usually, <laughs> hopefully, transparency to be able to make decisions and not say, well, I need to go talk to my so-and-so and make sure that they're really able to make their own decision, but they're able to come together in good faith to create an outcome that's good for both of them. But what I see is one person's got their arms crossed, their shoulders are rounded, they're not so open, they're cold, right? They are, they're shut down, they're uh, sarcastic and a little secretive, maybe belligerent, manipulative, um, don't want to go down that road too deep, but I think you know where I'm going with that. And whereas the other is like, this is great, and I think this is going to work, and we're so optimistic, and I think we can really create a solution to this problem together so that we can raise the kids together, you know, separately, but together and, you know, still be amicable and uncontested. And, but it takes both parties. One person is open and willing and, you know, prepared and the other is a little reticent and, and back and mediation doesn't typically work when you don't have two parties that are of like mind. Right. And that's right. where they go down the road of, of lawyering up um, as we hear, you know, lawyer up, get that barracuda, get that shark. Now, sometimes you need one that, you know, there are those cases. So we don't want anyone to think that, you know, mediation is the solution to all um, divorce cases. And, and now court ordered, even if you're litigating, many states uh, require mediation to be part of litigation. But that's a very different experience than if you're mediating without litigating. Like if you're mediating first, right, it, it is possible. But if you've both lawyered up and litigated and the court, the judge says, why don't you two march down the hall with your attorneys and meet with a mediator and see if you can't mediate your solution? That's going to be a different experience than the, the I am not one of those court appointed mediators. So I do believe in I'm, I'm actually happy that the courts are in, in encouraging that, particularly in, you know, the California world, which you so, you know, humorously decide. I've lived there. I saw that. I don't want that. And um, you're singing to the choir. So but uh, that this is not a um, a, you know, uh, putting down that lifestyle, but it's a different lifestyle. So keeping your heart open, it's so easy to say, Donna, yeah. so freaking easy for you and I just to say here and keep your heart open. And, but how right. do you teach people to really do that when they're buttoned up and tied up and shut down and duct taped the mouth and stoic and, and um, they've really put on a mask for so long. It's hard for them to shift that mind set, but you did it. And how did you do that? And what advice do you have for people that maybe are shut down themselves or they have a spouse that is shut down? 
Well, I, I did it, but I'm also still doing it. It's, it's never going to be done. And um, I just, uh, let's see, there's so many authors that I studied, but one in particular, he said that 98% of the world are drifters. And they'll just believe whatever they are told or whatever they worry about or the first you know, thought. But there's 2% that are, um, I forget the word, maybe you have some of your audience members, but that laboriously work on their mind. And I have become that, I'm always working on being that 2%. It's a shift in consciousness, I think. And um, I'm always looking for, like, I need answers. I need a sign. Like if I'm in a situation and I don't know what to do, I get still and I listen. And what had happened, like at the beginning of the divorce, that when I was fighting, fighting, fighting to um, keep my family together, I was letting my kids just run out the door, go tr jump on a trampoline or, you know, go. And I mean, even one of my kids got lice. And I'm like, why kids don't get lice, you know? <laughs> and um, so that was up all night doing that. And, um, so one of my daughters ran out the door and knocked out her front tooth on a trampoline. And I just said to my, my husband at the time, I need you. And he said, just take care of our kids. And with that, I heard loud and clear. This was my assignment. Stop the fight. Take care of the kids. If you fight this any longer, it's, you, you know, you're disobeying me, God, that I'm talking about a higher power. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm constantly getting is day by day signs. And it's, but it's only when I'm quiet and, um, and listening and being appreciative and thankful. And I cannot go back to the other way because I do have anxiety. I have depression if I'm back there and I don't want to be back there. In my book, I call it the dark life and the bright life, right? I know the things that put me in the bright life. And if I'm going to lose money over choosing that path, or if, if my kids are going to disagree with me, they're younger. I'm going to set an example for them now to live in the bright life and that um is where i still am like i could i'm doing this um break that grip and cpr starts with the heart because there's so many kids today dying by suicide death by suicide yeah. and i see why i do i see the 98 percent following um like organized sports for, for one thing. I mean, it's great to be involved in something, but when you make it your, your highest value, we, you know, you give up your family, you give up your dinner just to travel and, and try to get that trophy. Then they get the trophy. They think that is what life was all about. Mm. That wasn't, you know, and they, I feel like that I've been given these lyrics. I've been given this message. Honestly, when I read my book, I don't even, I was like, I can't believe I wrote that because <laughs> I was just being obedient. And if you 
all the, you know, to the last chapter, I mean, God really hammered it home to me. You're doing this because I had to save my brother from a rip current. And, um, and what I had to do, this is a pretty good analogy. Um, in a rip current, you are supposed to, they tell you to swim parallel, swim parallel to get out of it. But there's times when you swim parallel and you, that's, um, you can get out. But there's also many times where you can't. And if you can't get out going parallel, you're more likely to panic because you said, I'm, I'm following it. It's not working. It's not working. I'm doing what I'm told. It's not working. It's not working. But the other recommendation is to just allow the current to take you. Even if the, even if the houses on the beach are getting smaller, you've got to trust. Okay, I'm not going to panic. I, I know this works. You allow it. It's going to eventually give. I'm going to call for help and I'm just going to stay afloat, just stay afloat and, and start working yourself in. I kept saying, there's going to be waves. There's going to be waves and waves started coming to bring us back into shore. But um, the, the times there is actually a young girl that did die. I put it in my book. It's a memory of her. She was going parallel. Her mother said she knew to swim parallel. She knew, but she didn't rest and trust the process. The process that God's doing something different in your life. And, and the most important thing is you've got to see a happy picture. Like what I kept doing is seeing myself back on shore when I thought, oh my gosh, we're going further out. There's sharks. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know if this could be it. I said, no, Donna, stop thinking that way. You are going to see yourself right now. I see myself on that deck playing my guitar and singing with the family tonight and so relieved and appreciative. So I have my fins on and I say in the book, if I, if I lost a fin or anything, the most important thing is that I paint a good picture of what I want to see. So I can't change the opposite party. I'm going to never be able to change anybody else, right? But I can change the way I respond. And I'm not saying I'm a success in life at all, but that is what success is to me now, mm. how I respond. Yeah. And I mean, there are times I can panic now because my you know, earning a living is going to be dependent on this mission that I'm on, but it's more important to me than selling real estate or anything that I could be very, could be a very lucrative job right now, because I feel like I have a message that can save lives, especially the young lives from death, from suicide. Mm. Suicide is a very big, uh, issue right now. And it, the uh, statistics are not getting better. You mention this dark light and the mm-hmm. bright light and, yeah. and, and the rejection that many people feel when um, their spouse tells them they want a divorce for whatever the reason is. There's m- many reasons. I've heard them all. Um, as a professional, I've heard them all. You know, so, uh, but that 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 feeling of of being 
ripped apart and literally rejected, right? A feeling like it, it leads to that feeling of darkness, but you, you really summed it up so well is you're not able to change the opposite party. And many people, and I see it daily, get so angry. Why won't they just all the list of things they want them to do, you know, mm-hmm. continue to, why don't they love me anymore? Why don't they want to stay married? Why don't they, why aren't they nice? Or, you know, why do they lie? Or why do they, why do they want a different life or whatever their, you know, their complaint is, and it's different in every situation. Um, and that's such a hard thing to hear. You know, this is what they want. This is what you want. And they're not congruent, right? They're not parallel. There may be an ultimate solution to that. But at the moment, that feeling is so heavy and so dark. And the fact that you were able to understand that it's how you respond to that other person's uh feelings, emotions, actions, and words um, is really how you yourself are able to move forward with grace and dignity and strength and courage and skill to create the next chapter of your life that is really on your terms and not someone else's. And coming full circle back to the, the worry story of your grandmother and your own you know, story as a child of wanting to always, you know, have the perfect family and and we don't always know what's going to come and we have to take those uh you know life events with 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 the smarts and skill and and you've managed to do it and your book is fascinating your story is fascinating and i do know that you're going to make and you are making a difference in so many lives both as a, a storyteller a rapper a singer uh, a songwriter an ocean safety expert a mother of four an athlete a coach an announcer all the other hats that you wear um you really are uh stepping into your power finding your own new life that um now that i'm i'm assuming the children are grown and and how old are they now they are 21 22 23 and 24 there you go see roots and wings my dear roots and wings at what point do you realize yeah we you know motherhood never ends right it's not like you're done mothering right but the role changes right where there is a more of a silent partner more of a you know praying and wishing and hoping and guiding and and thinking but it isn't that daily did you brush your teeth did you do your homework like you know go to your room you're being fresh you know all those you know that job is done if we still have to tell our kids at 24 to brush their teeth and well, that's just, well, a whole nother podcast, but it, it is, uh, it is something you just, you have to trust, right? There's that right. sense of, like you mentioned, having faith and finding your own next passion. Uh, so many people, predominantly women in marriages, when they are the stay at home parent do put aside their, their own dreams and hopes and goals and aspirations and talents. Uh, And then when that day comes, it's like, now what? What am I going to do? It's scary, but it's also so inspiring. And it's a responsibility. You can, you know, lay in the fetal position on the couch and watch soap operas and eat Haagen-Dazs all day. Or you can uh, nothing wrong with Hagadash now and then, everybody. But you, you know the stereotype, right? Or you can really 
stand up tall, shoulders back, break that grip, get your, you know what together and uh, step into your next life, which you are my dear doing. Cause that's the best thing we can do for our kids is set a good example. And I do have a funny story about that. I sing at nursing homes, assisted living facilities, and um, all the, the residents said that they wanted a sing-along. So I did my best to pick out all these great sing-along songs. And my youngest, Barrett, like we call him Bear, is here visiting. He actually drove right to the assisted living and met us there. We're already set up and running the show. And um, like I, my whole family, like I said, we were all athletes. So I definitely broke the mold. And whenever I would get up to sing karaoke or something, they'd be like, mom, 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 come on, come on, mom. You know, like put a lid on it, put a lid on it. And so yesterday I said, um, oh, Bear, I put this song in here for you, a boy named Sue, because he really likes it by um, Johnny Cash. I, and, and guess what he said? Guess what he did? He said, I can't imagine. Can I come up and sing it? I was like, what? I mean, this is progress <laughs> because I just, it made me so happy that he would try something different. And he said, I'm doing this for you because you've always asked us to, you know, get up and do karaoke or do something. And uh, of course I got it on video and I'm just going to cherish that. And the audience, oh, all the residents, they roared with applause. <laughs> so it was really a great moment. Mm. So I can think of, of yeah, all parents have their story or their greatest fear of what they want their kids to do and not do. And sometimes we keep it to ourselves. Sometimes we make the mistake of sharing it and making them feel pressured to, you know, follow in footsteps and yeah. be careful parents. So my, my fear was that my kids would uh, not find their passion and not find a career and a lifestyle that really fit them, that, that they were wearing their own shoes and not borrowing someone else's, that they were really being true to themselves about things that made them happy and, and passionate and not getting up in the morning with doom and gloom and dread and regret about their career and their life choices. But they, they really were able to make their own decisions and, and step into that and not feel like they ever had to live a life that somebody else wanted for them, but they were living that of themselves. And that is, yeah. I think every parent's hope and wish and dream. We, we don't just want them to be happy. And what the hell does that mean perfectly? You know, it's so vague. Uh, you really want them to be uh, excited and passionate about living their life. And it uh, sounds like uh, the fact that he wanted to get up and sing with you uh, was great. So yeah, it was just a change in pattern that I really appreciated instead of being shy and wondering what everybody would think. Um, it was more like, what the heck, let's just have some fun. And yeah. I think that was what happened in my life. Um, you know, we gotta, we don't have to worry so much what everybody else thinks. We just have to enjoy the moment. Mm. Beautiful. Well, your website is Donna Bollinger, B-O-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. It is gorgeous. And I love what you write. Prepare and be ready for the ocean and life. It is so true. And your story is inspirational. So meet Donna, check her out, get her book and uh, learn from that uh incredible riptide uh, visual, right? Of the, right, the, right. the straight line and the circles. I'm sure everyone has seen it. If you haven't, check it out. It, it truly is. You know, there's, we get, we get stuck in that, in the grip. Um, and how do you get out without, um, 
getting stuck in it. So thank you for sharing your story. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, What other ways can people see you, find you, follow you and get to know you? Uh, Well, mostly at my website, DonnaBollinger.com. I've got some blogs on there. I'm going to start doing some video. I've put some video up on Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn. And I think I'm going to have to start learning how to do TikTok. I know I've, I've been kind of <laughs> dreading it too. Uh, yeah. You know, it's I'm I'm not one to really sit and watch social media posts for days. I just don't have the the tolerance for it. So yeah. I, I so long I, for the days when social media used to be what it used to be. But yeah, uh, it's we fun. Gotta we gotta say, all right, I surrender. <laughs> uh, I know. But at the end of my book, um, at the end of every chapter, I give everybody an opportunity to soar. I say your turn to soar. And then I put the steps so you can journal after every chapter. Um, One is even your turn to rise, R-I-S-E, your turn to rap. I encourage people to put some rap. And at the end, I encourage people to send me their story of overcoming something Mm -hmm. that started out rocky. You thought it was going to be bad, like a divorce but it actually, you decided something good is going to come out of this and, and your journey to help make that happen. Well, you are, you are absolutely singing to that tabernacle choir. Um, That's why I wrote Better Divorce Blueprint and why I founded Better Divorce Academy. It can be better and it doesn't have to be divorce, but much of the time, divorce is a catalyst, right? I mean, you yourself, you lived it, you understand it, how it transforms your life in so many ways. Uh, but it isn't the end. It's just a new beginning. Right, right. And this is something good that came out of it. I met you. <laughs> Thank you. You are so beautiful and wise and a great writer uh, and um, a great storyteller and a wonderful person and mother and um I thank you for your time. So everybody, I hope you've got something really fun and inspiration out of this conversation with Donna. Check out her work and her book, DonnaBollinger.com and keep thriving as she's eloquently set the example. Until next time. Thanks for joining me today. If you were inspired by today's episode, please share it with a friend or a loved one. My hope is you feel empowered to take some action, no matter how big or small. Action that allows you to step out of the chaos and thrive on your own terms. If this podcast added any value to your day, please review it on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, keep thriving in the chaos.